0: show where four Catholic men opine on current affairs of the world on matters of faith, culture, and politics. It's unfiltered, it's daring, and it's certainly unapologetic.
1: The Rundown is a weekly news show, but it's more than that. It's a family of like-minded Catholics who are preparing
2: for the coming chastisement. You cover church news, Politics and current events around the world, linking them in a way no one else does, giving you the perspective no one else can.
3: The
4: Rundown is not meant for children because it informs and prepares parents, young adults, seminarians, even priests watch the Rundown, to know about the most pressing and evolving threats to the Catholic faith today.
3: Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media restoringfaith.com
4: Good evening, happy First Friday, and happy feast of the most precious blood. Today is July 1st, Friday, 2022. This is the Rundown, your weekly news show, which dares to show you those stories that never make it past other people's editors. Tonight, after ignoring the historic Roe decision, Francis finally reacts, you won't believe what the alleged Bishop of Rome actually does. Plus, Roe fallout across the land, the usurper in chief desperately trying to blame Putin for the energy and inflation crisis which he caused. And tonight we'll try a slightly different format. So stand by for that this is the run have mercy
5: from the sense of blind entitlement some people seem to have lord have mercy lord have mercy from a blind judgmental attitude over other people's appearance or dress christ have mercy christ Christ have have mercy for the times our sharp political divide blinded our call to care for each other Christ have mercy Christ, Christ have, have, mercy. have mercy when people use loopholes to take advantage of disability benefits Christ have mercy. Christ, have mercy. From a blind attitude over the theft of work, Xerox paper for personal use, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. When we attempted to jump the line or skirt the rules to get a vaccine, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. From a lack of courtesy, especially for the elderly, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. From a lack of humility or lack of patience, Christ have mercy Christ have mercy from a temptation to cheat at golf tournaments by not reporting strokes or by a foot wedge Christ have mercy Christ have mercy from a blind attitude during covid of not wearing masks or hoarding toilet paper Christ have mercy Christ have mercy
6: I will not get the third shot I will not Pfizer me once. No shame. Pfizer me twice. Shame on COVID. Pfizer me three times. Shame on you. You want me to get a third shot. What's next? A fifth shot? No, thank you.
5: For the times we lack respect for God in church with distracted talking, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. When we are tempted to gossip or be engaged in incessant griping, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. When we are blind to racism in all its colors, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. For the times we blame the church as an excuse for not participating, Christ have Mercy, Christ have mercy from the attitude that it is okay to double bill or not show up for doctor appointments. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. When we become annoyed that someone is sitting in my pew or think the homily is too long, Christ.
4: All right, two things. I don't know what religion that was that we just saw. I think they claimed to be Catholic. And secondly, tonight we're shooting for 100 action-packed minutes, so we're gonna get right into it. Top story tonight, first up in the shoot, just because my mouse happens to be hovering over it, this is your Health Human Services Secretary, Deputy Secretary, telling you how important puberty blockers are. Gender-affirming care is life-saving, medically necessary, age-appropriate, and a critical tool for healthcare providers. As a pediatrician, when it comes to making sure kids are healthy and happy, I know how important care that affirmed someone's true identity can be. True identity. Got to affirm it, Ryan. Otherwise, what happens?
1: <laughs> Otherwise, uh, you are a bigot, <clears throat> and uh, your social credit score will go down, and your bank account will be shut off. Or something to that effect. I don't even know what anymore. But <laughs> it's it's insanity all around. I mean, and of course we have somebody who, just twenty years ago, they would have put in a rubber room, who was the head of HHS, telling us this is life saving. Um, all these and it's age appropriate, outside, unless you do what the pharmaceutical companies want to do to them. It's age
2: appropriate, brother Martin. It's age appropriate. I didn't affirm someone's gender dysphoria or else they're going to acquire some sort of mental disorder. Uh, hello, they've already got one. <laughs> it's like that, the picture where there's like only two genders and all the other little symbols that they have now for all these other trans types. It's like all these are mental disorders. And this is the last rundown on the YouTube game. <laughs> well,
0: let's not get canceled today. At least not yet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, starting off with a bang.
4: All right. uh, We have so much Biden to get to, so much of the fake Catholic usurper and chief to get to. Flashback to Biden talking to Clarence Thomas in 1990. What year was that?
7: If I wanted to make my point known on Roe, why would I have complimented, for any reasons other than I stated, this splendid application of natural law by Lou Lehrman and Lehrman Hall of the Heritage Foundation, and then never again mentioned abortion. Is it that this man nine years ago thought, I want to get to the Supreme Court and I better not say anything? I mean, could he have been that, um, uh, 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 how can I say it, optimistic about his future? It doesn't seem clear because he's very explicit about other things he says. He's very explicit when he talks about issues relating to affirmative action. He doesn't mince words. When his speeches, he's very explicit about the privileges and immunity clause. He doesn't mince words, and I am in a quandary, a sincere quandary, as to why, if he meant, if these, if these phrases were as, as, as troublesome as they could be from my perspective, why he didn't. I mean, the only thing he said, not the only thing. One of the things he said to me was to us was, "Look, if I meant to say it, I'd say it." He said it other places. I don't know whether that is compelling but at least it has me thinking and i wondered and i just i got to yield now to my colleague
4: here's hillary clinton on the same topic everyone's obsessed with clarence thomas right now
8: justice thomas has sort of floated that out there about contraceptive rights and yes. contraception and about same-sex marriages but other justices have pushed back to say no he's really sort of on his own with that well don't he believe that well he may be on his own but he's signaling. As he often did, you know, people, I went to law school with him. Mm-hmm. He's been a, a person of grievance for as long as I've known him resentment, grievance, anger. And he has signaled uh, in the past to lower courts, to state legislatures, to find cases, pass laws. Get them up. I may not win the first, the second or the third time, but we're going to keep at it. So you're saying people pay attention to yeah, this. the people he is speaking to, which is the, you know, right wing, very conservative judges and justices and state legislatures. And the thing that uh, is, well, there's so many things about it that are deeply distressing,
4: One final uh, uh, political figure, public figure, talk about Clarence Thomas, and we'll do a quick around the horn on Thomas and then get back to Biden. Language warning. This is Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago. These are her unfiltered raw thoughts on Clarence Thomas. If you
3: read Clarence Thomas' concurrence, he said, thank you, fuck Clarence Thomas. Fuck you, Clarence Thomas.
4: All right. All right. Well, no, she's a the lesbian. Right? Left. I, I don't know which right she lost as a lesbian, but I, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's um,
1: this whole business with Clarence Thomas, like Hillary Clinton. Frankly, I call BS on everything she said, number one, um, because Clarence Thomas is never going to respond to that. And I think she knows that. So she can add in Oh, yeah, he's he's loathsome, and he, mm-hmm. he's, he's melancholy, he's he's, oh, he's mad, angry person, wants to get back at the world, revenge for whatever he wants to get revenge for. I don't know. And then and then Lightfoot's just that. That's actually very kind language compared to what so much of the left has been saying, uh, namely N-I-double-hard-Rs uh, on all their tweets, which somehow they're able to get away with. Uh, it's it's perfectly okay for the left to use the end, end bomb as much as they want with impunity uh, to talk about
4: Clarence Thomas. I but- know why that's happening, Ryan. I know why that's happening because the man that the right all thought was going to save Twitter is busy I'm going to send outer space to find another race. All right, so you can get you can get away with the hard R on Twitter, James the Lesser, and if you're discussing a conservative like uh, Clarence Thomas, you can say F Clarence Thomas. Can you imagine if a sitting uh, major city uh, mayor were to say F Joe Biden? What would happen?
0: Oh my goodness, they would call on the feds right away. They would uh, con- con- they would consider that some sort of uh, insurrection, right? We've seen things like this before. Uh, Justice Thomas is not somebody who is easily bent, you know? So of course uh, they, you know, all the vitriol is coming out. This is what they tell us is not okay on Monday. And then on Tuesday, they're doing the same exact thing. You know, it's laughable, but in a sense, you know, it just kind of shows us the the degeneracy of, uh, you know, the the morals of the left, you know, they, they don't have any morals left because they, they tell us this is wrong and then they turn around and they just go ahead and do it with impunity, you know? I, look at uh, something like this for instance uh, uncle uncle tom right they're right yeah. they're, they're, they're uh, with so much uh, uh derision you know and uh, that's absolutely uh, uh you know on par with actually worse than uh what their predecessors uh have have done i mean this 2022 uh vitriolic uh, t- uh, twitter is out of hand you know and uh, justice thomas is getting the brunt of it
4: the vitriol against clarence thomas uh brother martin you're brown he's brown uh, Gorsuch isn't Brown. Barrett isn't Brown. Alito isn't Brown. They get a pass, I guess, from, uh, from the left, but Clarence Thomas, he's out of hand. He's uppity.
2: Well, he's also very Catholic. I think I remember hearing also that he went to seminary, at least college seminary for a little bit before he discerned out and, and obviously went to law school. But yeah. The vitriolic on t- on Twitter doesn't, it doesn't make sense. I mean, you can, you can call him, uh, you know, the college the, the, the N word or whatever, um, which insults a, a person's intellect but you can use the the f word you know not not the four literal f word but the other one <laughs> I had a friend who referred to a other James Martin as a faggot and he got suspended on Twitter that, that that doesn't get a pass um but referring to a black man as an n word and that, that gets passes these days it's it's obviously very very much one sided and, and What are you gay? Sorry. <laughs> I had to do it. <laughs> but that, that that's kind of what we're up against too. I know you in, in many situations, you know, the, the bad guys get to set the rules. The bad guys get to set the rules, and, and oftentimes the good guys get to find themselves having to struggle to to stand on their own two feet fighting against against the the bad guys and the rules that they set. You know, the bad guys usually uh, determine the time and the place of, of a violent act and all that kind of stuff, and those good guys are having, having to think about laws and uh, what we can do and what we can't do um, within a situation in, that we're being attacked in, so – Um, that's kind of, I mean, it's, as the Lord said, he had to be wise as a serpent and prudent as a dove, um, in order to, to fight these, to fight these things.
4: I know I said I would go back to fake Catholic usurper in chief Joe Biden, but I can't help myself. The, The Kamala cackle is just one of my favorite things in politics.
8: And, you know, for, for those of us of faith, I think that we, we agree many of us that there's nothing about this issue that will require anyone to abandon their faith or change their faith.
4: In a bombshell report, Kamala Harris now admits that she is a woman born of a woman who's the granddaughter of a woman. We now know what a woman is. And a
6: woman yourself. And a woman
8: myself. And the daughter of a woman. And a granddaughter of a woman.
4: And finally, this Kamala imitator does a better job of Kamala than she does of herself.
9: If you wake up, okay, and don't want to smile, if it takes a little while okay uh listen open your eyes okay and look at the day okay you gotta look at the day <laughs> <You do. laughs> and listen you'll see things in a different way
4: okay while we're doing your impersonations can we just do this video real quick i think this is the best impersonation video i've ever seen Watch
6: how you do a barack obama impression first make a face like you're incredibly satisfied Second, talk uh, slow at uh, the beginning uh, and speed up at the end. Third, use the phrase, let me be clear, keeping your voice in the uh, back of your throat. Fourth, uh, remember that uh, Barack Obama has a law degree, so he has the uh, ability to uh, say something without really saying anything. But not unlike a Jedi, it will motivate you. Now put it all together. Mr. President, was that situation a failure? Let me be clear. I don't see it as a failure. I just see it as a uh, semi-permanent lack of success. Here's how you do a George W. Bush impression. First, make a face like you're looking directly into the sun. Second, get rid of most of the bass in your voice and add a little Texas.
7: You're talking up here in your throat, you know? Third, get a little confused from time to time. What was I saying? And fourth, pretend like you heard a really dirty joke before you started talking and don't want anybody to know.
6: Here's how you do a Donald Trump impression. First, make a face like you're looking into an aquarium and mimicking the fish.
2: Second, force a lot of air through as you're talking, while saying phrases like a lot of people are saying, along with words like probably, and quite frankly. Third, believe everything you say is the best it's ever been said. And fourth, quite frankly, you put it all together and you get this.
10: A lot of people
4: have been saying that this is probably the greatest TikTok post of all time. All right. He didn't do Biden, but here's Biden doing Biden.
7: Our inflation rates are lower than other nations in the world.
4: What? I'm sorry. Say that again. Our inflation
7: rates are lower than other nations in the world.
4: Do you get a consolation prize, Ryan, for having lower inflation rates than Zimbabwe?
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no. And on top of that, it's actually false. Um, There's several countries with lower rates than we have now. But it's it, it it reminds me of do anyone remember last year Biden was going on about uh I saved you sixteen cents on, on your fourth of July dinner. You ought to be happy, you ought to be proud. I'm gonna get an ice cream. Um th- that was last year. This year, you know, you not a word about that, of course. Um and it was nonsense last year, too. It was actually found to be more expensive last year, but and facts don't matter.
4: Yeah, facts are facts are uh impediments. Uh James. We have we have lower inflation than some countries on planet Earth right now is that a win
0: that's a huge loss you know why are we even comparing ourselves we're supposed to be the greatest nation on earth so they tell us you know we're supposed to be you know cryptically Catholic so they tell us right you know but yet yeah, we're we're celebrating uh you know being a few decimal points better than other countries uh, it's a huge loss quite embarrassing actually and Where's I wonder your
4: skateboard how- do you have a skateboard? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Do I have a skateboard? No, <laughs> I don't have a skateboard.
4: <laughs> okay. okay, brother, I know that you're fundraising for your monastery. I know that you got a lot going on. What I am proposing to you is the inflation-proof house. This is the 2022 Biden's America. This is how you're going to build a house in this country that is impervious to Bidenomics. It goes
2: on, but my question is, where did they get the candles? They didn't make the candles. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty exciting. I mean, yeah, it kind of makes you wonder why the world is in poverty if it just takes two men digging in the sand. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most incredible building material I've ever seen, Now, Yeah. I'm going to give it a shot. Uh, unfortunately, there's too many like pipes, under, <laughs> pipes and electricity wires going underneath uh, our land here, but... <laughs> Oh, man. You know, if, if, President, if President Biden's, is
4: that his name? Uh, if his if his words have not aged well in recent days, consider his uh, verbiage on the filibuster, the Senate filibuster, which he now opposes, although he defended in 2005.
7: And we should make no mistake. This nuclear option is ultimately an example of the arrogance of power. It is a fundamental power grab
4: by... The majority party. Okay, but now that he's the majority party and he's okay with it. The reason, Ryan, that they want to exercise the so called nuclear option and rid themselves, dispense with the United States Senate, dispense with the filibuster is so that they can enshrine into United States code the death of innocent children. Yeah?
1: That's exactly it. And part of the, in the past, it's always been wait, wait, wait. We can't get rid of the filibuster because when we're the minority party, we can't, you know, we need to make sure we can use that when we have to. Um, and, and, that, and of course, they did that during the Bush years as well with uh, judges and so many things. So here, I, it's, again, the, there's no other point to it except saying, well, we can't get our way. So we're going to ramrod this through because we're going to get our way anyway. I mean, which is what they do whenever, you know, anything happens, they don't get their way they, just whine and scream and cry about it.
4: Yeah, uh, which is the psychology of the left, brother Martin. You whine and scream and cry whenever anybody does anything you don't like, and they attack you and they try to cancel you. It's called cancel culture, and people on the right do it too. They're they're closet leftists.
2: It's because it's convenient. It's it's, it's emotion based. It's it's the easiest way out. Uh, this cancel culture, because one, you don't have to be logical. Uh, because the left, as I said before, on the road now, they they don't even believe in logic anymore, which is why it's hard for us to talk to them and, and convince them of our position is because we don't even have the same presence. We don't have the same uh, view of reality anymore. And, and so there's nothing common that both of us could even uh, start with. And so for them, it's just about clain- uh, complaining because in one sense, it's a warning before there's violence. I mean, every every kid will, will cry before he throws a temper tempered tantrum and then starts to hit you. Well, that's exactly what the left is doing. They'll cry and complain and all that kind of stuff before they start throwing punches. Um, start, they start throwing, um, what's it called, Mol- Molotov cocktails through the business windows, all that kind of stuff to set things on fire. Um, that's, that's, that's their modus operandi. That's the way they do things. And unfortunately, the laws, uh, they work again, against us, like I was just saying, is, is the bad people set the agenda. They set the time and place, circumstances, all that kind of stuff. And here we are, the good guys, so to speak, uh, trying to figure out how we can adequately respond without getting ourselves in trouble. And so, un- unfor- unfortunately, we're kind of flat footed in this situation.
4: All right, James, unsatisfied with the fact that uh, Americans may not be convinced by the argument that at least our inflation is lower than Venezuela's, President Biden now has taken the tactic of scaring the heck out of people uh, by just making stuff a sovereign nation
7: question. And uh, but there's going to be a lot more that's going to come through. I mean, I uh, I, I think people are going to be shocked when. The first state, the first state that tries to arrest a woman for crossing a state line to get uh, health services. Uh, and they're, they're, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think people believe that's going to happen.
4: No, people don't believe that's going to happen because it's not going to happen. <laughs> that's
0: not how this works. You know, if I were today to go to places in California or uh, colorado not that i would but anybody could cross the state line to go procure uh you know drugs or whatever and that's perfectly uh, legal you know so i don't know what biden is talking about and how he's making that leap into the idea that if you cross the state line to get something that was legal in in your state of residence that uh, you would be under arrest this is absolutely uh moronic thinking I, i'm surprised that he's a lawyer this is amazing <laughs>
4: <laughs> you know, ever since Rittenhouse Ever since Rittenhouse, Ryan I never knew that, that When I would cross a state line Which I do quite frequently Either on air or overground That it was such a solemn act That it was something to be spoken of In hushed tones of reverence I didn't know I needed to get my passport stamped But when Rittenhouse crossed state lines That was something And now when these women cross state lines Are we going back to federalism? If only we
1: were, but like so many other things, it it only matters when it supports their narrative because the the fundamental disconnect from reality, which is liberalism, which is wokeism, is that whatever we do, because we're on the side of uh, checks, notes, what's this week, human rights, therefore, we could do whatever we want, and it's absolutely okay if we do these things, but um, when if they do the exact same thing, because they're evil, because... You know, check notes. Um, um, they want women to die in coat hanger abortions. So, therefore, uh, they're always wrong. Yeah. And, and that's how it's always going to work because there's no rooting in any kind of principles. There's no rooting in what's right or wrong, even natural law. It's all about what furthers the cause and the revolution that is wokeism. And a lot of you know, there's a fundamental level where a lot of this is actually embedded in the very heart and fabric of. America and Americanism, all right. Where you look at the fact that our, our very founding, where you know people are screaming no taxation without representation, and yet they take on heavier taxes than they ever paid to Great Britain, in order and it, it never went back to the levels of pre-revolution. By the way, in order to fight a war of taxation without representation, or as Samuel Johnson said, "the the the person crying the loudest for freedom is their the, the slave driving Yankee," right. Even in the beginning, you, you still still see a lot of this type of thing. It's just in a different order and organization than it is now.
4: These people are, these coastal elites, they despise, quote-unquote, flyover America. They despise the middle of America. They say it out loud with impunity now.
5: Well, to me, it's like, the problem is that middle stuff. It's, it's those states in the middle, that, that, that red stuff. Mm-hmm. Why, why do they get to tell us what to do when the majority of us live... Out, you know, New York, California, and we're paying for all this crap. Really, I mean, right? Yeah. We're, we're yes. footing
3: the bill.
7: Well, that's that's the union. It's, it's yeah. supposed to be representative democracy, but it turns out to be minority rule right now.
5: Right, right. But if we're in the bill, you know, and, and and like California, if it were a country, it'd be what the like the fifth largest fourth fifth largest economy so if you know if i'm fitting the bill know your position you know what i'm saying (laughs) you know know, for real like look if i say hey let's go out to dinner you don't get to pick the
11: restaurant just shut up and eat
4: very funny i want to show you exactly i want to take you from coast to coast to show you exactly what this woman is defending language warning no children here's los angeles the other night (laughs) and I'm sure she's very fond of Chicagoland. And who could forget the unforgettable experience of being on the New York City subway? Oh, get
3: the fuck off me! Give me my fucking bag! What is wrong with you? What the fuck? What the fuck? I'm get the
9: fuck off of me! What are you doing? Get off, of get, off of get, off of get off of me! Get off of me! What's wrong with you? What the fuck is going on on this fucking train?
3: I'm
11: so fucking
3: confused. <laughs>
4: Tell me again, Brother Martin, how uh, evolved, cultured, and unique and special the coastal elites really are.
2: Get out of the cities. Get out of the cities. They destroy everything, absolutely everything, from the industrial revolution and onwards. Um, this is kind of what G.K. Chesterton was, was was saying whenever he talked about the the Civil War. Um, I can't I can't remember the exact words, but he was talking about the the slavery in the south versus the slavery in the north, and the slavery in the south was on its way out, while the slavery in the north was on its way in. Um, but this is kind of what, what's, what's happened is these these cities have sucked us in, um, and it's just absolutely destroyed what it, what it is to be humane, what it is to be human. Um, everything is about economic growth and, and gaining stuff, artificial desires. And so that's what a lot of these people are killing each other for is simply uh, artificial desires, things that ultimately won't make them happy. Uh, while those in the in the in the, in the red stuff in the middle of the country, I mean, they usually have farmlands, uh, they have prioritized family, faith, God, all that kind of stuff um, – they have, they have a whole different set of priorities, whole different set of priorities. And though they might be fewer in number than the people that are crowded um, in cities, at least their places of habitation don't look like San Francisco where you have human fecal matter all over the streets. You know, so although you have more humans living together, you have better humans living elsewhere.
4: James, we have a crime wave in the United States of America. Uh, it's unprecedented. We've never seen thirty or forty percent increases in violent crime and murders in every major city in these United States. What the heck is happening right now?
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a wave of uh, you know uncertainty uh, in in this uh, well this year. We're approaching summer. People are sick of high gas prices. People are sick of. Uh, the politicians just sort of, sort of uh, wasting a lot of money. The the uh, attitude toward Ukraine, where they basically emptied uh, America's coffers and shipped, uh, you know, uh, money over to Ukraine without so much as having a discussion with the American people. You know, the the, the uh, drive to go to war. Uh, you know, there's so much going on, and people are paying attention to this. You know, it's uh, of course it's frustrating. Uh, but we can't discount also the the fact that in, in summer, a lot of this violence uh, rises that are premeditated caused by, sorry, uh, a lot of these uh, riots are caused by pre, what appears to be premeditated, uh, you know, situations. Um, and uh, it's just going to get worse, you know, if this is uh, already July, right, you know, so this is kind of the uh, time when things start to really, really heighten.
4: People say things are better in other countries, like, for example, in Canada. But whatever happened to I can't breathe? This is Trudeau's Canada
3: right (laughs) now. I have no idea. I want to cooperate, please. I want to cooperate, please. Tell me what to do. Please tell
4: me what to do. So polite. You'll have to cooperate, comma. So much please. freedom
0: happening there. So much freedom happening there. I don't know why you don't like that.
4: Uh get on board or get uh a knee to the neck, Ryan. I mean I guess uh, I guess that's the Trudeau way. Where's our
1: clip of Trudeau talking about authoritarian thuggish uh, uh, regimes? Oh, man. Uh, Because his looks awfully like one, frankly. You
4: know, it's (laughs) funny. We do have a Trudeau clip, and he is talking about authoritarian thuggish regimes, just not his own.
11: Hi, I'm Boris Johnson, Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Et je m'appelle Justin Trudeau. Je suis Premier Ministre du Canada. And we're here in the G7 in Germany, but there's one world leader who can't be here, sadly, and that's our friend and colleague, Volodymyr Zelensky, president of Ukraine, who's been leading his people in their heroic fight against the unprovoked aggression of Vladimir Putin. And
7: Zelensky's not just been standing up for Ukrainians as Ukrainians fight like heroes for their own land. They've been standing up for the principles and the values that bind us together as democracies,
11: the rule of law, uh, the sovereignty, territorial integrity, the principles important for everyone in the world. And so here at the G7, we're showing more support for Ukraine another half billion pounds worth of loans guarantees making sure we together we sanction a more russian oligarchs associated uh, with vladimir putin and also placing restrictions on russian gold exports worth 13 and a half billion
7: pounds yeah we're increasing sanctions we're stepping up with financial support economic support and military support as well il faut s'assurer que les ukrainiens continuent de se battre pour défendre nos valeurs pour défendre leur pays
11: and so our message to you, Volodymyr, and uh, to the people of Ukraine is we salute your, your fight. We believe it's wholly, wholly legitimate and essential uh, for our world. We support you, and we will stay the course. Slava, Ukraine. Hiroyam Slava. Guys,
4: grief. Grief. On, the, on the rundown on the 1st of July, Friday, First Friday, Feast of the Most Precious Blood, we're going to break the news as to why Zelensky couldn't make it to the G7. And it's actually because he was having his second emergency meeting with the United States actor Sean Penn. Hi. Hey,
10: nice to meet you do again. <laughs> You're welcome.
3: Already some meetings, yes.
1: Yes, well, we went to uh, um, so we walked through the, the wreckage there, and it was pretty
10: perfect.
4: Look, I guess everyone has their priorities, James. I mean, I honestly, I'd probably rather do a photo op of Sean Penn than show up to the G7, so maybe Zelensky got the last laugh.
0: That is absolutely ridiculous, as uh, (laughs) Boris Johnson would say. No, um, it's absolutely, yeah, what a huge farce. You know, Uh, he's out there meeting with an actor, you know. So basically, we're looking at uh, Wag the Dog 2.0. You know, uh, the the Hollywood elites can't stay away from politics, and the politicians can't stay away from Hollywood. You know, uh, it's it's a crazy uh, marriage, and uh, that's kind of what we're seeing playing in front of our eyes right now. I, I think one of the
4: reasons I think one of the reasons why Penn looks up to Zelensky, Ryan, <laughs> is because Zelensky is an actor, he's an actor, turned president,
1: a fellow actor and uh, equally degenerate. So I mean everything here you're seeing is, is largely scripted. Um, why is he gonna meet with Sean Penn? What is Sean Penn gonna possibly do for him? <laughs> that a phone call to uh, Uncle Joe over in uh, D.C. is not going to solve for him. Don't be
3: rude.
4: I don't buy it. You don't buy it. I don't buy it either. Uh, Would you be surprised to learn, Brother Martin, that another former Hollywood actor turned murderer is also coming out on Twitter for murder?
11: Hey, Twitter world, it's me, yours truly. Happy Sunday. (laughs) Well, it's my Twitter site, so it's my opinion. Let's start with Roe
0: versus Wade. Uh, I thought it was a horrible decision. I think women should have the right to decide uh, uh, what happens uh, with their bodies, especially in cases of rape and um, and incest. I'm a little surprised that some of these alleged evangelical women who uh, have been speaking out against, you know, I guess, abortion. Look, if you believe in God, you should know. It's gonna come down to whatever person and the Lord one day. So let's leave it up to him when that time comes. Uh, we are all going
4: to have to face him. Um, I'm sure OJ Simpson is looking forward to facing God, Brother Martin.
2: Absolutely. Um, we live in the age of, of media platforms do a big deal to to edu- educate the ignorant to, to reach the ignorant being spoke last week, especially on the, the transgender movement or whatever, that, you know, how strongly the social media and, and uh, influences young minds. And I think they're they're obviously banking on that. And so that's why the politicians have teamed up with the entertainment industry. Before it was, well, it still is, uh, the politicians and, and the big business, because they have the money, which is why all these big businesses are also coming out and and uh, paying their mm-hmm. own employees, re- reimbursing their employees to go out of state to, to get abortions and all that kind of stuff, is that the governments have now, th- this world order, whatever world order we have, Knows who to team up with. They've teamed up with big businesses, the big money, and they've teamed up with those who have great social influences. Those, who, especially, who can influence the young, um, and and those who 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 are too lazy to to educate themselves. So that that's who's leading us: the the actors, the money, the big business people, and the government, rather than the people that actually have a, any moral standing whatsoever. I mean, <laughs> how much- <laughs> it's it's either Clarence Thomas
4: or OJ Simpson. One of those two is the moral compass of the United States. <laughs> And I don't know who it is. Um, All right. A story that closed the home for you, Ryan. Uh, What's up with all the sheep dying in Idaho? It's weird. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the cattle in Texas. Uh, We have food shortages. We have food processing plants going down. Ryan, it's now happening at uh, 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 at a reverenced state line. Near you,
1: well, apparently I was researching that particular video. Apparently, that's not Idaho. Apparently, that is somewhere else. But I haven't been able to figure out where it's at yet. Um, but it really doesn't matter where it is. Uh, you know, again, what 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 the heck? You know, why is that happening? And so we could come with various theories for it. And of course, if you uh, put enough alcohol into me, I'll get a, a little bit crazier and a little bit crazier with my theories of uh, what what's causing that particularly. But at the same time, um, you know, why are they it, 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 irrespective of why it's happening, what it's doing is going to, again, contribute to supply line disruptions and all the build back better farm uh, farm to fork initiatives, um, reset the table initiative, <clears throat> you name it, every single thing that that's come down from the elites that, you know, the fewer animals being produced for food the more you have to go back to your Bill uh, Gates-created bug meat or whatever.
4: Yeah, and it's happening around the world. The Dutch farmers are up in arms about it, James. Uh, These folks have been told that they're not allowed to grow food or raise animals because, uh, well, the Netherlands is seeking to a 30% reduction in nitrogen, so sorry, you're non-essential now. (laughs) It gets better. There's a video out there of them totally shutting down the highways. Uh, they they uh, took a page out of the Canadian truck driver's playbook.
1: Muted. Th-
0: this is the exact response they should have to something like this. You know, when the government tells you you, you can't uh, uh, produce uh, goods a certain way, you, you can't sell things a certain way. Uh, and basically shutting down your means of production and, you know, uh, uh, and, uh, uh, killing your industry. This is the way to respond. You know, we, we can't be nice all the time. We can't, uh, uh sort of, well, you know, the government knows what's best for us. So we're going to sit down and take our medicine. Uh, and, uh, if that's what the Dutch are doing, then, you know, they must be really, really upset.
4: Yeah. They are they are ticked, you know, and animals are thinking about fighting back. Uh, one uh, TikToker was able to demonstrate how all the animals are going to fight back, and I think it's well, it's worth your time. <laughs> Okay, kill the
2: opossum. Yeah. <laughs>
0: kill that was well done. <laughs>
4: that
2: was well done. He's got, was he's got too much time on his hands. Get him a job. I know. Yeah.
3: Well, you
4: know, he's underemployed in the uh, Biden, Biden economy. Uh, speaking of being underemployed and overeducated, there's one governor who's now fighting back against all of that. His name is Ron DeSantis, and he's very probably running for president of these United States. He's one of the only ones to ever challenge the narrative that the that the dream that the, the American dream is to go to college,
0: there aren't very many places that you can go and get a credible four year degree and pay $6,000 $6, dollars uh, $6,800 for tuition. That's just not even in the realm of possibility. And in almost any other place uh, throughout the country. But certainly, it's not the case if you have a high quality institution. And so we think it's very important that this remain affordable. Uh, I'm a big believer in higher education, but I'm not a big believer in plunging people $150,000 in debt with a degree in zombie studies. That is not a pathway to success. And so uh, the idea that do whatever you need to do, mortgage your entire future just to get a piece of paper, uh, that's bad advice. Uh, That's not advice that that we provide uh, in the state of Florida.
4: Okay, he has my attention.
2: I like it. I, the college I graduated from was only like $7,000 a year. So there, there's, there's, there are a few, but they, they exist. But everybody wants to go to Notre Dame. They want to go to Harvard. They want to go who knows where to get the piece of paper that says the letters on it and all that kind of stuff. Some
3: people
4: want to claim to have gone to Notre Dame and even put it in their biography, but it's not actually clear whether or not that happened. <laughs> Okay, uh, let's do this. Let's take a quick break on the back end of the break, ladies and gentlemen. We're gonna be talking about Pope Francis finally reacts to Roe v. Wade. We're gonna give you some programming notes. And then, of course, in the second half, what do we always do? We have to talk about the groomers. Are you I want to make a quick uh, correction to something that I said on one of my videos. I think on RTF, perhaps with my bishop, uh, with my uh, interview of Bishop Schneider. I believed at the time that uh, at Clear Creek Abbey they were using the nineteen sixty-five missile. I would heard that from so many people. I have now been told that that is not true, and I've received an email forwarded to me from His Excellency the uh, Abbot there, Abbot Anderson, saying. In fact, they used the 1962 missile and that they have never used the 65. So for those out there who have believed that, uh, as I did, and many people have believed that, that the 65 was in use in Clear Creek Abbey in Oklahoma, that is false. Um, Okay, Pope Francis. uh, What are you, Gay? I'm sorry, I was wrong, okay? I took it on the chin. I (laughs) owned
3: it.
4: Um, and 65 is gay, so I'm glad they're not using it. Brian uh, Bergoglio is—he he maintained his silence for a long time on Roe v. Wade, and then he finally broke his silence in a really weird way. And the way that he broke his silence on Roe v. Wade was inviting Nancy Winebox Pelosi out to Vatican City and giving her Holy Communion. Is that his answer?
1: I would be very surprised if that was not. Something he intended for people, uh, especially in this country, to take note of, Um, As you have some people say, oh, well, you didn't even know she was there. First of all, that's, that's impossible. I mean, it could very well be he didn't orchestrate it, it could very well be he was like, oh, oh, that's nice she's here, who knows? But the fact is, he knows very well his bishop has forbidden her from receiving communion. It's incumbent upon him to enforce that, I mean, just in the name of collegiality, unless he's going to you know, reverse the bishop for some reason, which, of course, he doesn't want to do, um, he'd rather ignore it. And in ignoring it, he's also flouting it and basically showing that this is not an issue that he particularly cares about very much. Uh, Francis has in the past, I mean, just have to point it out, you know, called abortion evil, called it selfish, he's called it wrong in different ways, um, very, very strong ways, not not kind of wishy-washy like I'd expect him to. So I've got to give him the credit on something like that. But at the same time, why do you have her there? The i mean, it's not like she's just anyone who happens to be pro choice, she is the public face in the legislature of the United States of opposition to the Catholic Church's teaching on abortion, and yet you know, there she is to prayed around, and he's basically saying this is a non issue,
4: yeah. Uh Brother Martin, do you think Ryan is being too measured? I mean, I I appreciate that he has that he's citing uh Jorge Bergoglio's words from the past, and I think that's true. It is true. He hasn't minced his words at the same time. Don't
2: actions speak louder than words. Jorge Bergoglio even said said as much. Uh I remember him saying the meeting is the message. The meeting is the message. He from his the very beginning of his pontificate, he has used gestures as a way to communicate, whether it be kissing someone who has uh, lumps all over his face, all that kind of stuff. Um, he's always he's always been a public of gestures, of making gestures to speak. And so this happens to be just another gesture. He didn't want to put something in writing because writing is very formal. People can quote him, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's much uh, harder to interpret words unless you're obviously just being um, intentionally ambiguous, all that kind of stuff. But a gesture, you can take it Anyway, people can take it however however they want. So the left can take it um, to mean, oh look, he's 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 in he's in favor of uh, Roe versus Wade. It should have never been overturned. And the right can say, well, he never gave a public statement, so you can't exactly say he uh, he's a, he's against the reversal. But this is peronism exactly. It's given both the left and the right exactly what they want. And and he was he was smart in doing that because that you know no one can can quote him to say that he's for or against uh, the overturning of, of Roe, Roe v. Wade. However, actions speak louder than words he said before. The meeting is the message. He uses these gestures precisely to say what he wants to say and to do what he wants to do. He, he doesn't want to condemn the reversal of the versus weight. He doesn't want to condemn uh, an abortion-free country, he, or he doesn't want to promote a, a abortion-free country. You know, yeah. it, to, to him, much like James Martin said earlier on, on, on Twitter this past week, uh, James Martin said that a, a one-minute-old zygote is a lot different than an, a nine-month-old baby about to be born these people have a completely wrong uh, metaphysics and philosophy of of a human person and of life in general, and that they think a woman and old zygote is not a person. I mean, a person is inserted at the the moment of conception. Uh, That's what, I mean, Aristotelian Thomistic metaphysics, this is is just what philosophy gives us. It doesn't give us some sort of medium way where at six months or whatever, or at the heartbeat, all of a sudden it's a person. It doesn't rationally give us this answer. And so I I think uh, Bergoglio is definitely more of a politician than he is a pope. Um yeah, he's more of a politician than he is a Pope. If he yeah.
4: Now we at the rundown, we are fearless and we are we, we don't hesitate to report news as it happens. We have a piece of breaking news right now. Just happened within the last 30 minutes. Elon Musk announcing that he has in fact met with Jorge Bergoglio, Pope Francis, in Rome. He's posted a picture of himself at the Vatican. Here is that picture. Uh, I think you can see it. There's Elon Musk standing on the left. Members of the Musk family, apparently, uh, standing next to uh, Pope Francis, who is able to stand for Elon Musk. Now, this is unique. This is important, James, because His Holiness has still not met with Cardinal Zen. He's met with James Martin a couple times, met with Nancy Pelosi a couple times. Now he's meeting with Satanists. Atheist wants to put a chip in your brain, Elon Musk, but he can't even.
6: I'm gonna send him to outer space.
4: To find- can't even meet with the underground Chinese Catholic Church. Who's making this guy's schedule? <laughs> well,
0: I'll tell you what. You know what Pope Francis is is not unaware of the news around the world. We know he chimes in when whenever he feels it necessary to chime in. We know he makes gestures, just as Ryan has said, just as uh, Brother Martin has said. By his gestures, we know, uh, we, we don't obviously know the mind of the Pope, but at least we can tell uh, where, you know, his priorities lie. For instance, meeting, having met with uh, Nancy Pelosi, I guess, was it uh, two years back? Uh, and then again, uh, just recently, amid the uh, kerfuffle of uh, her archbishop there sanctioning her, And now at the heels of the Roe versus Wade uh, decision by the Supreme Court. This is a huge uh, gesture that should not be unnoticed, you know. And uh, on top of that, he's meeting with uh, Elon Musk. You know, he talks about uh, uh, the various things you've brought up, you know, about putting chips in people's brains and things like that. These are things we should not be uh, waving around in public. You know, he's hanging out with uh, Jeffrey Sachs. Also, who is a proponent of uh, various, uh, you know, transgressions against uh, the, uh, the human person? You know, so we're learning a lot from the people he, he associates with, and it's just not uh, true that we can dissociate. Uh, sorry, that we can disassoci- disassociate that uh, gesture he's making from what is perceived reality.
4: I mean, look. The man makes time to meet with Elon Musk. He makes time to meet with Nancy Pelosi. He makes time to write Desiderio. What is it? Desivaravi? What What is this, Ryan? Desiderio Desivaravi. Okay he he makes he makes time in his schedule to own the trads, right to be the <laughs> to be the liturg- liturgical uh, troll in chief. Ryan, this document is it, it's 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 remarkable. He claims he claims. That the uh, that the liturgy invented in the age of Aquarius fifty years ago is the quote unquote the unique expression of the Roman right. On the same day that he gives communion to Winebox Pelosi, breaking his silence on abortion, he owns the trads. Sort of like.
1: So. Yeah, so the document itself, released on the Feast of St. Peter and Paul, uh, Desiderio Desideravi, it's a, uh, with, with desire have I desired, and it's from Luke um, 23, unless I'm mistaken, 22. or 22, uh, where he's going to, uh, you know, Christ is announcing to the apostles, I want to eat the past with you, obviously redolent of the Last Supper, the First Mass, et cetera. Et cetera. And this is really uh, the document itself is a lot of blah. I finally finished it. It's a lot of Vatican II, you know. Again, rah rah rah. It's all so great, but there's a couple of things that I think are interesting. So you might have seen Dr. Quanzio's, Kwan, I'm sorry, Dr. K. I can't say your name.
3: Kwasnets- Dr. K's article
1: <laughs> in um, in 1 Peter 5, and there's a lot of other people. New Liturgical Movement also had a bit on it, where they're they're honing in on the fact that the Novus Ordo. As it's produced by the concilium, by Bonini's concilium, is not how it actually violates principles from Sacrasonic Concilium and how it violates this and that from Vatican II. How the, the liturgical reform envisioned at Vatican II is not what the concilium gave us in 1970. And of course, that's true enough. In fact, it's historically documentable. But it really doesn't matter. And when you look at uh, the way I actually I think Francis, you know, or at least Roach or whoever actually wrote this document anticipated arguments like that. And so they decided to get it around with, with just, again, reasserting um, kind of the Vatican II program that is the spirit of Vatican II programs. Here we go. This is the phrase, the one everyone's been talking about. Uh, the non-acceptance of, of the liturgical reform, as also a superficial understanding of it, distracts us from the obligation of finding responses to the question that I come back to repeating: How can we grow in our capacity to live in the full liturgical action, et cetera, et cetera? Let's get a little bit earlier. Um, so this little bit, the um, <clears throat> this kind of this is more like the the whole philosophy and idea of. Uh, Traditionists Custodes, which I affectionately call Jailers of the Tradition, is in this particular paragraph. In this letter, I cannot dwell with you on the richness of the passages, various expressions. He's talking about Vatican II, which just quoted above, which I recommend to your own meditation. If the liturgy is the summit towards which the activity of the church is directed, and at the same time the font from which all her power flows, well then, we understand what is at stake in the liturgical question it would be trivial to read the tensions unfortunately present around the celebration as a simple divergence between different tastes concerning a particular ritual form. The problematic is primarily ecclesiological. I do not see how it is possible to say that one recognizes the validity of the council, though it amazes me that a Catholic might presume uh, not to do so. And at the same time, not accept the liturgical reform, born out of San Crisano Concilium a document that expresses the reality of the liturgy intimately joined to the vision of the church so admirably described in Lumen Gentium etc cetera, etc so you know he's putting out again and then again his quote from uh, Tridentius custodes, so, the, the import of this passage right here, I think, you know, a lot of people have missed it trying to go back and show, well, look, this is demonstrable from all these people who were at the ground there Louis Bouillet, Alphonse Stickler, even Bonini himself, right? In, in all their documents relating to the even contemporaneously that this was not what the people wanted at Vatican II. This is what a very small segment of, of, uh, Radicals who were in position to write these documents wanted, and and that's demonstrably true, but it really doesn't matter. And Francis is demonstrating uh, the truth of what's in Father Chicata's book, the work of human hands, and again, irrespective of whether you're a set of a cantist or agree with Father Chicata, his book was was separate from all that, which is that you can have your father retro who says the Nova sort with all the most traditional options possible, but at the end of the day. It's the Father Billy Bob who has wears no vestments or is just in, in ridiculous garb, who's free and, and makes it up as he goes along. He's the one who's getting it right. He's the one who is imbibing that actual spirit of what the new liturgy and the liturgical reform is all about, and he lays it out here. It is the problematic is primarily ecclesiological, and mm-hmm. it, it, that is. It's a, it, much like Roach had said earlier, although I can't find that quote right now, but, but it is like a new church and a new theology. That, and that's why you have a new liturgy. And this is really laying it down. So everyone who's focusing on how the you know the, the conciliar documents and what they laid down in Vatican II differ from you know what they actually produced – even though it's, I mean, in terms of documenting the facts, they're exactly right. They're missing the point. And Francis has already seen there, at least Roach and, and what, whoever is advising the Pope, they've already seen that objection and they're moving around it just by asserting this is by the guidance of the spirit, spirit of the council, they, they probably mean the Holy Spirit, uh, or whatever. Uh, this is what we've got because this is what God willed us to have and. Everyone needs to accept it. And he says in the beginning, this is not a question of preferences. So if your attitude is like, well, yeah, the Novus rite it's just fine and dandy, but I prefer the, the traditional rites. There's no room for you in Francis's church because this is the only call, again, that Italian word that they keep mistranslating in English, the sole expression of the Roman rite. That's what they want. That's what yeah, they're trying sure. to
4: get to. Yeah. Um, and and this this uh, narrative, James, that we keep getting told, uh, we, we were recently told in a really nice 4K, high production value, beautiful music, uh, YouTube videos Not on YouTube anymore. But we were told this idea that, well, just a, a couple radicals took over the council, you know, because that just happens sometimes when the Holy Ghost is in charge. Uh, but, you know, and then and then the result was a surprise to everybody. James. The same bishops who were there before were there after they were there implementing it. It's not like they all died. You know, I've made, here's the situation.
0: I've uh, talked about this over the years and I keep talking about it. You know, before the council was, was called, there was already widespread talk among uh, priests and and even bishops. There were, uh, you know, what do you call little uh, flyers sent out? to uh or polls or something of the nature to gather information from priests there were already uh priests talking about you know it would be nice to not have to say so many prayers during the day you know it'd be nice to to, to have not to do too much uh, uh penance anymore you know so they were already uh uh you know sending in their thoughts of you know for what the council would be about you know this future con- uh, uh, council i guess the council was announced in 50 50- 59, I or maybe uh yeah, so, so sometime around that time. So they were already talking about all of this, you know. So the, the people who were telling us, well, you know, this is not what the council desired, you know, they're way out of their depth, at least if they don't if they didn't really know that's what the situation was. But the writing was already on the wall when they started to uh ask for feedback from people that they were yeah. gonna be serving, you know. Yeah. So I don't I don't buy this. This is the very intent of Vatican II uh, was to create some sort of confusion so that uh, people could, you know, effectively do whatever they they pleased. And then gathering, you know, well, you know, this is kind of what everyone's generally doing now, so I guess we don't have to rule against this. You know, there's been a sort of tacit approval by not doing anything at all, you know. And so now we're allowed to receive Holy Communion on the hand, We're allowed to have altar girls. We're uh, allowed to basically use indigenous uh, language, uh, vernacular language. And all these things, people people would say, well, you know, they were not written in Vatican II. But how long does something have to be done, you know, in order, or, or rather, how long does something need to be done for before people realize there's a runaway train? 20, 30, 40, 50 years? You know, yeah, so I don't buy that.
4: Yeah, it's 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 tough to swallow, Brother Martin. Especially, you know, look, uh, the the liberals put themselves into a quandary because either it was the you know the Holy Ghost that that let people down at Vatican II, right? Uh, he wasn't guiding uh, that that particular board meeting of of uh, prelates from around the world who were convoked not to condemn error or to propose uh, dogma, but just to uh, freshen up the place and open up windows. Or it was—it's the Holy Ghost who has now failed us. Now, in the last fifty years, it says that, that now they call it the Spirit of Vatican II. I call it the Holy Spirit. Uh, either what, like you know, it, either the Holy Ghost failed us at the council or after the council. That's the, that's the only two possibilities according to the liberals' logic on this.
2: And to extend it even further, I mean, these liberals, these progressives, or these so-called neo, neo-conservatives, or these orthodox—those that you know reform of the reform kind of people, they believe that the Holy Ghost continues to work through your local ordinary. And so that's why you have to obey your local ordinary because obeying local ordinary is obeying almighty God. Like they're, they're, they're synonymous. They're, they're one and the same thing. And so if, if the local ordinary says you can't celebrate auto orientum, by golly, you can't celebrate auto orientum. Or if he says you can't celebrate the traditional Latin mass, you can't celebrate the traditional Latin mass. It's the same exact thing. The, the, this principle where they mistake the Holy Ghost for the institution itself. Now the Holy Ghost can inspire people within the institution to act a certain way, but th- th- each individual is still capable of saying no to the Holy Ghost, and that's why all of us still have to use our our, our, our judgment, our conscience, to know when we have to obey and when we have to disobey. Precisely because it is the moral, it, it is our moral obligation to disobey an unlawful uh, ordinance or or uh, law than it is to to obey. Is simply to to look. Um, cool in front of your peers because, oh, look, I'm, I'm obedient. Look, I'm obedient. I'm obedient. Mm, you know? right
4: hey, speaking of when you have to disobey, how stupid are you if you have 15 injections in your body and you get COVID twice in one month? How stupid do you have to be?
7: And, and you know, he's basically a classic case example of what the CDC warned on May 24th, of this year, they said, "Listen, in those who are fully vaccinated, based on three papers, uh, Gupta, uh, uh, uh,
4: Charnes, and Carlin, that in fact, if we rely on Paxlovid alone, there can be rebound and get worse about two to two to eight days after they finish the initial course." So he got a Pax rebound, and he's suffering from that. But I, th- you know, I think he's going to be okay, thankfully. But. Our thoughts and prayers for Dr. Anthony Fauci, who claims to be Catholic, who now has COVID for a
10: second time.
4: Hey, guys, why is the IRS buying 700,000 rounds of ammunition?
10: From March 1st to June 1st, a three-month span, the IRS bought $700,000 worth of ammunition. Now, why does the IRS need $700,000 worth of ammunition? There's only two answers. Now, this is on top of the, what, 1.8 billion that Department of Homeland Security spent on it. Uh, there's several agencies that are buying up ammunition now. There's two explanations. One is more nefarious than the other. Well, yes, one is more nefarious than the other. One is, They just have plans on arming everybody in every agency, and you will do exactly what they say or they'll shoot. That's the most nefarious. The second is probably the most likely, although I wouldn't lay any of my money down on it. It's probably more risky than the stock market. The more likely of the two, I think, is that this is just another way to stop guns from being on the streets. They are going to use every lever they can. If the United States government is buying up all the ammunition, that only drives the cost of ammunition up and only... I don't buy his second explanation, Ryan, because A, $700,000 worth of
4: ammunition is not going to affect at all, at all, the uh, the either the, the regional, the national or the global market for ammunition prices. Okay, that's that's a drop in the bucket compared to how much is spent annually, quarterly, monthly, weekly on ammunition. Mm-hmm. Much more likely in my mind to be the first part of what he said.
1: Right. Uh, every It seems like every federal agency now has a SWAT team, has a militarized police force of some sort, and uh, I would not be surprised to, to to see more federal action taking place In different, just each department is just controlling where the Ministry of Love, L U V, love, where that's going to come down, and so the um, you know all all these departments. I mean, they don't need SWAT teams. We already have federal police. We already have the you know various uh, organizations that can be employed when the law would require it, presumably if things were working correctly. So, yeah, I'm going to say it's uh, it's definitely going to be bad it, it's it, like you said it, it's i mean you know how much the department of defense spends on on ammunition alone uh weapons everything else there's i mean i think it's about 85 percent of all ammunition production goes to the military and oh, yeah. uh the heads, and then out of that to the police uh, what's left to the police and like a mere seven percent for us and still we have collectively in this country, millions and millions of rounds in civilian hands.
4: You could take one battalion out for like a week long uh, live fire exercise and spend oh, yeah. 5 million in ammunition just in a week. Just in a couple, week. People don't realize,
1: guys. I mean, even, even with a semi-automatic rifle, if you're, if you're shooting, you can go through magazines and you're just like, wow, dang, well, that, that was expensive. Uh, and it was gone just in a few minutes.
3: Mm-hmm. And,
1: it, it, you don't realize it. Now imagine multiply yourself by, I don't know, hundreds and thousands. And yeah, it goes pretty quick. So uh, the, the amount in and of itself is immaterial. It's, it's really a question of why do these various agencies that we wouldn't think have police powers getting you know all this ammunition and police powers?
4: Look, people are noting, James, that uh, Glenn Beck is a stonecutter. He's a Freemason. You know, he's he's a conservative. He's a fake conservative. He's cringe. He's a boomer. I get all that. I'm just, he, you know, he's he's summarizing the news, and we're and we're analyzing his two theories, and totally dunking on his second theory. James, you're muted.
0: Well, you know, I mean, certainly it's hard. You know, like uh, Glenn Beck is a bit of an enigma. He uh, wants to stay relevant, and so he knows he cannot uh, shy away from certain uh, news, such as, uh, you know, the IRS buying uh, ammo. Now, he he may uh, have brought us a story, but if, if you just, uh, you know, mentioned, there are a lot of uh, shady things about, you know, what he does with, with the news. Um, I I don't think it's unlikely that the, that the IRS is, you know, planning to use Uh, ammo against the citizens of the United States but I also think it could be it could be both it could be they're buying it for themselves and B, whenever you make a purchase in 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 general that just makes it harder for us to you know go out there and buy ammo ourselves you know um and I don't know if this is the true dollar amount of uh I guess they were saying uh um five million rounds but that's not a whole lot as Ryan was just was just saying but anyway you, you take a little bit of a, you take a portion of the market away you know and uh so supply not necessarily inflation per se but the supply of it you know i mean i'm there's certain ammo i'm trying to get i can't i can't find you know so it's, a, it's at least a uh, you know a little bit frustrating you know not to say that mm-hmm. it's gonna you know skyrocket uh, uh price wise but um i i don't trust the irs right. i don't trust uh any agency that's buying up um, ammo, I don't, I, I don't trust that they're not buying it to use against us. You know, and, uh, Glenn Beck can go pound sand, I suppose.
4: In our last segment, we took you uh, across the country in the major liberal strongholds, but we forgot to show you an average day in Philly. I wonder if any of these rounds that you're about to see, captured on this Ring uh, doorbell footage, were purchased by your Internal Revenue Service. <laughs> goes on uh brother martin crime wave around the country typical day in philly um uh, no big deal uh the united states is a active war zone right now and we're in a cold civil war and um uh, you know nothing to see here because comma netflix and chill baby
2: yeah absolutely i mean the especially i mean the gun laws in this country they always benefit the bad guys in this in the sense that you know they there's there's states that don't have preemptive gun laws where you know there's general For the entire state and so each little city each little county gets to have its own gun laws and and those that want to carry whatever are are discouraged from carrying because you know if they get pulled over in this county the laws would have changed before different from the county that they were just in and so that they can get in trouble and so anyone who wants to be a law-abiding citizen will just you know put in a lockbox in their trunk and just not use it but those who want to use it for malicious purposes uh, they don't care and they just go in and do that kind of stuff where they just shoot up a whole neighborhood Uh, um it's absolutely insane that the laws in this country deter the law-abiding citizens but they don't deter the unlawful abiding citizens um which which is which is completely in reverse um well as i said earlier in the show i mean the, the culture of the cities too i mean usually these 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 gangs or whatever you want to call them they're they're defending territory and they're defending territory against certain things and so like i mean drug dealers they have their own territory to to buy and sell all the kind of stuff that their drugs, and so when another gang who who makes their money off of drugs wants to make more money and, and tries to take over their territory, then you get these fights and people get in the crossfires, so all that kind of stuff. It, it's very hard for, I guess, FBI and all that kind of stuff, uh, the special units to to find out who these drug lords are and 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 to and to stop this kind of stuff and, and all of it happens with the city. So, but all, also, I mean, even in politics, we're we're, we're promoting um, dr- drugs um, like like in, in Colorado um so it's very difficult the the laws in and of themselves they 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 don't help the situation um and so each each person i guess has to make make a a sincere discernment for themselves where they want to live and if they live in a situation like this how how do they want to respond to um to these certain kind of situations to protect themselves justly
4: That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to grift. Why is it time to grift? Because we're saving the groomers till after the grifting segment, after the unpopular opinion, because so many of you don't want to actually watch the groomers. Groomers is now the bonus segment at the end of the show. So the first thing we have to do now is get to the grifting segment where we're going to grift Ryan Grant first.
1: Okay. So at the, about a week and a half ago or so, we had the Feast of St. Well, in the traditional calendar is the Feast of St. John Fisher. On Twitter and Facebook, uh, you no doubt had a good bit about Thomas More because that's where the Feast shows up in the Novus Ordo. Again, unless I'm mistaken. Whereas the traditional calendar, the 22nd, is the Feast of uh, Fisher's Martyrdom. And the 6th is the Feast of St. Thomas More's Martyrdom. They're actually on separate days where they had combined. And, of course, in good fashion in the New Rite, they uh, focus all on More and forget all about Fisher. We'll talk about More. But in the meantime, St. John Fisher, uh, the, the forgotten saint, if you've listened to Michael Davies' wonderful talk or you've heard any of my talks in a parish on um, St. John Fisher, which I've given before. So I have a formal biography, the only one in print on John Fisher in the English language uh, by, by Reynolds and this one by Father Vincent McNabb. And th- this one is wonderful. It's more like a hagiography. This one is very in-depth as a good hist- proper historical biography written by a Catholic with Catholic faith. And so he details Fisher's life, his holiness, his learning, how so many things worked in those days, Fisher's response to the early stages of the Reformation, um, you know, his the various sermons that he preached at different times, and of course his heroic place which is often mistaken uh, or forgotten about, in defending Catherine of Aragon's um, marriage to Henry VIII. And it, at the inquest with Cardinal Wolsey, Cardinal Campeggio, and in uh, Henry, where Fisher actually himself got up, un, unbeknownst to Henry, he didn't know Fisher was going to do this, and began reading a treatise that he had written in defense uh, of, of the marriage, which threw the entire thing into confusion and uh, made Henry very angry. And so and Fisher declared he was ready like a new John the Baptist to lay down his life in defense the validity of the marriage, which, of course, uh, is precisely what would happen. His head would be taken, too. And on the altar of uh, uh, in, in the cathedral in Rochester, I put the book down, but I'm going to get it out again. There is what they call a St. John's head. And I found a picture and put it in the book. Um, Oh, good heavens. Please tell me I can find it. It's in my presentations when I've given this in parishes. I pull it up in the PowerPoint. All right. But anyway, it's a basically a bust of St. John the Baptist's head. And it was a very popular object of medieval devotion. Um, yeah, I can't find it. Of course I can't find it. Anyway, so that's Fisher. Then more. St. Thomas More. So this is another wonderful biography in St. Thomas More. Uh, many modern biographies uh, that you'll find, uh, whether they're good or bad, they have this one in the. That's because it, it has uh, a lot of a lot of good work in terms of the formal documents of that time. It's another biography written by a Catholic. It, it covers a lot of Moore's early life, covers Moore's writings, things like Utopia. Utopia is one of those things that's t- terribly misunderstood. So it comes from a Greek word, which means nowhere, by the way, and it's a dialogue. It's a fictional dialogue. Now, now people are, were confused about Utopia even in those times. There was a priest who uh, read the book and immediately asked his bishop that they could get uh, you know pre- missionary priest sent out to Utopia in order to to uh, preach and baptize all the people there, right? And um, not not realizing that it was the whole book was a satire. So Moore writes about these people who live on the island, the Greek name Nowhere. And on this island, um, you people have, you know, basically have gotten as far as a natural law of paganism could possibly bring them. And they have this this almost communist type of government in terms of the the idea that communists try to present where you're going to get. Nobody owns possessions. Nobody wants money. The urinals are made out of gold to show their contempt of gold and things like that. And so this traveler, Hithloday, is uh, you know asking questions and examining their way of life. And Moore inserts himself in the book as a critic. This is not what Moore is putting forth as an ideal society. He's rather, in fact, looking more to St. Augustine and if you go back to St. Augustine, City of God, uh, Augustine is showing how nowhere on this world is a perfect society. Nowhere on this world is even a great society. Uh, rather, you simply have the city of God in the city of man. And more, actually, with this way, this Renaissance satire um, you know, is examining the same thing. And, and the fact that you know this is nowhere because you don't find a perfect society on earth. Or And then you go back to his other great treatise, which is not often read, his treatise on Richard III, which he decided to shelve because it was a little too politically inconvenient, and uh, because it had too much discussion about the the nature of the monarchy. And in that book, of course, Moore shows, again, his, his skepticism on even a good society on account of our fallen state in this world. Instead, rather, he looked toward the city of God, which is what drew him evermore away from worldly positions he held and towards the full embrace of the Catholic faith, which he died in. And as soon as he saw the machinery of Henry going towards the break with Rome, then he is all the groundwork being laid from it. It's at that point that he knew, okay, um, you know, now I've, I've got to resign. Because for more, especially at that point, it was the Catholicity of the church and the fact that the papacy in the proper role of that institution which Is the guarantor of the catholicity of the church, and so Henry nor anyone else could possibly be the head of that church. So you can read all about that here. I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to put them all on sale. Um, all of these three books, and um, I, I just got to get in, in the listings and put in the sale price.
4: All right, um, grifting this week, money, 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 brother.
2: All right, there's three things I kind of want to address. One, as you guys have probably heard earlier on this week, there's a lot of companies out there that are uh, opting to reimburse their employees for going out of state to commit abortions. And one of those is PayPal. As many of you know, um, the old base of St. Augustine uses PayPal for donations on our website, all that kind of stuff. Obviously, when it comes to cooperation and evil, Um, we can't exactly when we use a company control what they do with the money they spend afterwards. Um, But when someone basically announces well in advance um, that they're going to do something pretty, pretty evil with, I mean, it it could be that no PayPal employee ever takes advantage of this. Um, But when, when they're willing to do something evil, it kind of gives, gives us pause and concern. I also understand that these um, (laughs) thanks. Thanks for (laughs) Mike, but uh. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> it, it, it gives us pause in, in, the, in the sense that uh, we want to avoid the, these kinds of evil when we can. But at the same time, and other alternatives like sending checks and stuff to the mail, maybe people don't feel comfortable with that because anything can happen in the mail. I mean, especially around Christmas times, we all get boxes stolen through, through in the post offices or you know, people's rents being stolen, You know, money orders, all that kind of stuff. And so it, it's not necessarily a, a safe avenue. Um, and so I just want to put out there that I'm completely open to dismissing PayPal as, as a means of receiving donations um, if if our benefactors believe discern that um, the USPS or some other you know FedEx UPS is a safer means um, and, and a better means a more moral means to to donate than um, than, than the use of, of PayPal because that PayPal will be using, you know the, what they make through those donations to to do some immoral thing. So I just I just would like all everybody to prayerfully consider their use of PayPal. We also use Stripe on our website, but then again, a Stripe as a secular corporation, they could you know we, we can decide to use them today and then tomorrow they they join PayPal and they're in, in, you know immoral propaganda and stuff. So I just I just want to throw that out there that um, any, anybody who who wants to recon- reconsider using PayPal and instead send checks or money orders, all that kind of stuff. Uh, to, to, to please prayerfully consider uh, doing that so we can um, get, ri- get rid of the middleman who, who would use the money they make out of being the middleman for for immoral things. Brother Chewy. Brother Chewy right now is with Father John. Father John is is not living right now with the only of St. Augustine. He's uh, very much a close friend, obviously, and, and he was my formator. He trained me in theology, all that kind of stuff. Um, but Brother Chewy is is, is is taking care of Father John and his illness right now. Father John definitely needs a, his, his little buddy. Um uh, hanging out with him. So Father, so Brother Chewy isn't, isn't with me right now. Um, and also, I, I guess I saw on the live chat, Brother Martin doesn't use et cetera, et cetera anymore. It's because Father John's been harping at me every time he watches the rundown and, uh, of my use of et cetera, et cetera. So I've definitely been trying to uh, use my words <laughs> instead of using et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of my grip this week. My grip is really, uh, please um, prayerfully consider your use of PayPal uh, if you can donate through another means whether by stripe through our website and it's just as convenient as paypal you can have your monthly donations recurring monthly donations all that kind of stuff through through stripe as well uh, or send check money orders through this the address is listed on our website oblique of st slash giving
4: friends Colleagues, patriots, Catholics, few of us are going to have the lasting impact on the Catholic Church that one of the members of the rundown has done. And no, I'm not referring to myself. The only thing I can point to is a screaming cowboy, and I don't think that's going to help me out in my particular judgment. James, on the other hand, has a huge, beautiful family, well-behaved children, and he always grifts something holy and helpful. Brother Martin is building a monastery, which hopefully will last for centuries. But the person that I want to grift for today is... Our good friend Ryan Grant. Ryan is in a transition in his life where he is in desperate need of your help, and he's too classy to ask for it himself. So I'm asking on my own volition for his on his behalf. And no, I didn't ask permission from the uh, internet police whether or not I could ask you for this money. But I'm asking you if you're so inclined to send a donation of goodwill to Ryan Grant, the Mediatrics Press. Uh, address is below, but for those who are listening on the podcast version, it's 607 East 6th Street or 6th Avenue in Post Falls, uh, Idaho 83854. I'll try to get this into the show notes as well so that those, the many thousands who listen to this after the fact in the podcast version, can do that. Some of you have reached out and said, Where can I send money? Ryan is moving. Uh, he's he's buying uh, property. Uh, his family is in flux. His animals are going to be homeless soon. And um, I would encourage you as a rundown family, if you can come together right now and help Ryan out, it would mean the world to me because his impact, his publishing company, his bringing back uh, the lost things that are beautiful, true and good uh, that we need to have by his own effort. He doesn't do it really for a living, ladies and gentlemen. I know that. Uh, he could charge a lot more. He could have a higher margin. He could do things to drive volume. He does. He operates his business completely on the uh, on, on the divine assistance and, and on uh, relying on God's providence. And it's something that, frankly, I could learn a lot about. So my hats off to our uh, fellow uh, member here of the rundown. Ryan grant. And please, if, if you can, uh, you know, forget about my legal defense for a minute, forget about, sorry, uh, anything else that, uh, anyone else is going to grift right now. We need to surge in support of our good friend, Ryan. And James, I told you I was going to skip you, but I'm going to let you, I'm going to get, let you get the last word in.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, uh, just something for this week. I know, I know, um, uh, you guys might be interested in something like this. This is called The Reformation Divided. And as you can see, this is by uh, one of uh, England's, I guess, uh, Ireland's uh, prolific authors, Eamon Duffy. Uh, he writes a lot. He's a historian uh, who graduated from uh, Cambridge. Uh, he writes a lot about uh, matters of uh, faith uh, from the perspective of uh, T- uh, Tudor England. And so this is a great book. Uh, basically, talks about. I mean, uh, if you're interested in Thomas More, uh, John Fisher, and the uh, the saints who came afterwards following the uh, so-called Re- Reformation, more properly known as the revolt, you'll you'll definitely enjoy uh, this book. In this book, you have stories of uh, the early life of, of Thomas More and his humanist approach to wanting to reform the church per se before finally realizing uh, the the imminent tr- uh, threat was 1517 uh, uh, Luther and how that was getting a hold of England. and of course we know ultimately how he lost uh, you know in all appearances lost lost a battle by losing his head. Uh, and the second part of the book talks about England after having become Protestant and uh, trying to struggle uh, struggling to keep its identity, uh and in secret, you know, so you have basically public enemies running around hiding and uh uh doing things that uh, would cost them their head. And the third part of the book talks about the the look of England after uh you know there there was some time past sixteenth century England was now turning uh into something that couldn't necessarily be identified uh by its, it's, you know, it's, it's roots, you know, it's Catholic roots, but yet again, some parts of that was, uh, or were good, but, uh, still talks about how the future would be in need of, uh, Catholicism more than it, more than it, it, it realized and how, uh, those people today still are seeking truth. And, uh, uh, basically the church has a lot more work to be done, uh, in finding tradition and in, Uh, basically calling back to mind all the traditions it's rejected. And this book, again, is called Reformation, uh, divided by Amon Duffy. It's a really good book.
4: I love Duffy. Um, Okay, it is time for the unpopular opinions. We're going to make our 100-minute mark, at least for the unpops. Ryan, you are first.
1: Okay, so my unpopular opinion. Here we are. We're coming into summer. Summer, of course, means uh, avoid the beach, and naturally, the discussion almost always tends toward women's modesty. Women, you're not doing this. Women, you're not doing that. But I'm going to set a different trend. I think we uh, we're all going in the in the same direction. I'm talking about men's modesty. So, and something that's not talked about enough, right? And you know, men in terms of decorum. I mean, it's true. Women and men are not wired the same way. But that doesn't mean that women don't like what they see. So that is one thing that you have to think about, number one. Number two, decorum. All right, dressing within what is acceptable in your culture for dressed up, medium dress, casual dress, etc., for the right occasion all right? at the time where it should be done. Renaissance doublets and capes and things are awesome. I love them, but I'm not going to wear them to the grocery store and I'm not going to wear them to, you know, because so, that would be admonished in its own way because now you're drawing attention to yourself. Okay. Um, So the one issue, the one thing that I've always been on, and I'm going to get on my soapbox about it now is men walking around in nothing but a t-shirt in public around your house is one thing, but for me, a t-shirt has always been underwear. A t-shirt is, it's something that um, I would not want to be caught dead in. It's one thing I noticed from my dad is he worked in miserable conditions. Um, in agriculture and when it was 90 and a hundred degrees and this is in Connecticut. So it was humid. And he always had a collared shirt on. He didn't walk around in just a t-shirt when he was working as it was part of decorum. It was something that he had learned and a tradition we used to have. And, And at first I rebelled against that. And then in later years, I saw the wisdom of it. So yeah. So my unpopular opinion is outside of, of your house, um, Especially when you're doing work, you should not be wearing a t shirt because it's immodest. That's my unpop.
2: Okay. Brother Martin, same theme. Mine comes to the opposite extreme of it. His, uh, Ryan's was um, the minimum kind of, you know, wear something else other than a t shirt. Mine is the opposite extreme, saying, uh, especially sometimes in the trad movement, there's always that one guy in every trad parish who tries to look like he's from GQ. Who, uh, who tries to stand out above, above and beyond everybody else, who tries to draw everybody's attention um, by what he wears, how he walks. Um, and it's not necessarily a, a professional, you are know, dressing professional in, in terms of like, you know, you go, you, you go to eight o'clock mass right before you go to work and you're dressing your business. Well. It's not that kind of th- thing that I'm talking about. It's a kind of like uh, an extra attention to the fashions of the day, um, to what women particularly would, would turn their heads to and, and, and look towards um, a certain type of haircut, a certain type of um, I mean, hair, beard products, whatever else, um, that you're, you're really your intention in, in dressing this way is really to draw a lot of attention towards yourself. Um, it, it's, it's not coming from a place of uh, humility uh, and certainly not modesty. Modesty and humility kind of go hand in hand. Um, those who are, are truly humble are, are, are very modest. And so, my unpopular opinion is that they're, you know, if if you're really dressing um, to be the one to grab all the attention, and this kind of in one sense it goes for both male and female, but um, certainly for for males as well, because I mean, obviously we can, we can cover our our bodies, you know, neck neck to toes, and in, in a nice fancy suit, whatever. But that suit can very much be, you know, geared towards drawing this attention. So it's not so much by what you're showing, but by the intentions of how you're dressing and and, and how much attention you you expect to draw to yourself by what you're putting on. Um that, that also goes towards immodesty.
4: Okay. Um Immodesty, James. Come on. You knew this was coming, James. You knew it. I always know it's coming.
0: You know, I just never have my my thoughts clear enough. Um, and popular opinion for this week. Um how do I phrase this? I'm sick and tired of hearing people say Duminus Vibiscu. I'm tired of it just stop already you know find some other latin phrase besides dominum viviscum." because first of all um you you know people often will say it to you when you're the only person they're addressing and you know of course that's you know uh for addressing more than one person uh and other than that i just don't uh you know uh it kind of shows a lack of uh you know i guess the latin language which i suppose i'm not necessarily um against i just uh think it's overused it's over uh there's an overexposure of that uh, phrase and it just needs to stop
1: especially when you say wobiscum well, to just one person <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> right <laughs> did you just use a classic uh latin pronunciation there I did. I've been in the habit because I've been reading myths to the kids out of, out of, uh, older. And so I, I switch. If I do a church Latin, I do from, um, uh, ecclesiastical pronunciation, but lately I've just been stuck unless I'm doing the breviary I've been stuck on the classical.
0: Ah, I see. That was my unpop okay. for the week. I know, uh, we, we need to give Mike his, uh, six minutes so he can get, he can get his unpop in.
4: Oh, oh! Is that what you think? First of all, I'm I'm actually on theme this week because we had a theme that <laughs> everyone else knew about that we were talking about male modesty, and uh, and actually my
10: unwrecked it. My,
0: I have <laughs> okay, un- you know, it, it was talked about as, as being a theme, but it was never official, and so I didn't I didn't know
4: <laughs> it was never official. Except for we are officially using it, and here's my unpopular opinion: shorts are for little boys. Look at this picture, shorts. Are for little boys. I say again, pants are for men. Shorts are for little boys. If you're a dude and you're walking around in cargo shorts, anathema to you. It is pathetic. It is weak. It is effeminate. You're seeking comfort and there's no excuse for it. It's just dumb. Look, a lot of you are going to come at me with some obscure Rhodesian conflict where you had to cut off the bottom of your pants. Uh, because you're in the thick of the jungle and your trousers are getting caught in the jungle. Okay, don't talk to me about that, okay? I fought in Iraq and Afghanistan. I know when there's appropriate times when you're training. I I swam with reconnaissance Marines, okay? I know I don't wear pants to swim with recon Marines, all right? But most of the time, for most of you watching this that are going to tweet me, that are going to at me and say, oh, do you run on the beach in your pants? Well, you know what, dude? You're tweeting me from your living room. Are you wearing cargo shorts in your living room? Are you wearing cargo shorts at the supermarket when you're browsing Twitter? When your cart slumping? When you need to be ha- keeping your head on a swivel, looking out for uh, for those uh, you know those IRS agents with the with the five five six rounds. So, ladies and gentlemen, in conclusion, shorts are lame. They're for little boys. And if you're wearing shorts, I'm sorry. You are just not grown up. There's I'm it is what it is. Get over it, people. Goodness gracious. Why are people so upset about this? I don't know. So last I'm
6: going to send him to outer
3: space to find another.
1: All right. That's (laughs) it. That's what you get. So last week's poll, uh, Mike was the winner. Yes. Fifty three percent.
2: Man,
4: that's yeah. That's not even. That's not even like a, a majority. Wait, wait, what is the? What is it called when you actually win more than fifty percent in a plurality? It's not a plurality. It's the opposite of that. It's majority. Clear majority. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: I love democracy now. This week, <laughs> I love democracy. <laughs> okay, let me let me
0: revise. Let me revise my unpop. It'll take a few seconds. So okay. uh, you guys called me out on it, and so I have to...
3: We did! We called you out because we texted about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> okay. So my my unpop for, for the week, you know, on this subject would be if you're out and about in public uh, and you are maybe in an official capacity dress-wise, st- stop rolling up your sleeves. Keep your sleeves buttoned and rolled down. Oof. This is not, you're not a little kid, you know, just uh, put your, your sleeves down and button up. I see too many gentlemen just kind of walking around uh, in the office or heading heading to uh, functions and they're wearing uh, slacks and they're wearing dress shirts and then their, their sleeves are folded. I, just, I, I mean, I, I don't get I, why.
2: No, use this old one, Pop. Use this old one. Use <laughs> the old one. Use the other one,
3: Ryan. I'd like to
0: amend. I'd like to amend as well. <laughs> no, there's no, there's no, there's no amending. This is it. That, that's the impop of the week.
4: <laughs> oh man. Okay. This does it for the regular program. We almost got to our goal of a hundred minutes, ladies and gentlemen. After this outro. We're talking groomers,
3: baby.
8: I'm going to go out on the limb here and say that you are very pregnant.
9: I am very pregnant. I am due tomorrow. Oh my goodness! And are you due
8: to be induct- induced, or are you going to wait and see? I'm going to wait and see. Okay.
9: Yeah. Well, now tell me about what
8: you have written on your stomach.
9: Sure. Um, so this is a part of me right now. Um, I'm Jewish, and according to Jewish law and tradition, life begins with the first breath and at birth, and that. If anything were to happen up until then, that it is part of me and it is my decision. It's part of my body. It's like a limb. I mean, it is a significant part of me, but it's my decision.
8: Okay. So I see you have written here. Can you you read it?
9: Yeah. It says not yet a human. And why did you write that? Because everyone is talking about murder and. it's just, it's, it's me. It's not somebody else yet. I have a child. This is a person. This is a person with will. This is a person who has decision-making power. And this is me.
8: What do you think of today's decision?
9: It's awful. I mean, it's horrible. I don't know, you know, what parts this baby is going to have. But if he or she does not have the options that they need to make bodily choices around what they can do with their own life, I, I don't know how to protect them in the world
4: okay it's part of her religion she says ryan that uh that's just a limb it's like an arm it's uh until it can make rational decisions it's not a human uh she pointed to a toddler who's obviously not rational I wonder if she still thinks that's a human
1: i mean it's well one we know it's scientifically irrational anyway because the as soon as as conception takes place it there is a a, a difference already there there is a, a you know, a new set of chromosomes, DNA, a whole, a unique unrepeatable sequence of DNA that is now produced within the womb uh, in, in the, sorry, it's not even in the womb yet, but in, in that fertilized egg, it's no longer part of the woman's body and the body. Then, you know, alters all of its processes to support that new life. All right. And that's, (coughs) excuse me, we know that scientifically now, we're not saddled with this gratuitous assertion of the ancients, uh vis a vis you know what it would have you with uh you know the delayed animation or or de- uh, yeah, delayed animation is the right right term for that. A lot of people like to use insolvent. but even there, even when they held that, they still said you couldn't have an abortion, they still mm-hmm. said it was murder, and you go and you look at the footnote, um, or actually the very discussion. That Saint Alphonsus Liguori has in um, on the on the fifth commandment on that whole question, and and I gave several magisterial subsequent magisterial definitions, which were in a, a, a um, one of the main editions of, of Alphonsus in Latin that the editors put it in there, and so yeah, it, it's just not possible. Now the whole thing of oh well, I'm a Jew and this is part of of Jewish law. Um, if you go to an Orthodox rabbi, you're not really going to get that kind of answer. Um, there is a rabbinic tradition in the Talmud that, that points to that, um, you know, but at the same time, you know, the, the the Talmud is a series of commentaries. It's not by by that fact. Now, for some Jews, it is. It is very much a religion. Everything in there, even the stuff that contradicts the other stuff, there are some that take it that way. And but but it's interesting here is you're seeing that charge. You know, where is all the Orthodox rabbis getting out protesting Roe versus Wade? It's not happening, right? It's happening from the very specific group of liberal Jews pointing to this particular thing in the Talmud. And then now they're making common cause with Satanists. And I'm just thinking, are you guys looking at yourself? It's like you're making all the propaganda tracks look true. But, you know, there it is.
4: People are putting tip jars into the EMJ was Right. Uh, Jars, and I think that's okay. Next groomer video. We're not grooming your children. This is a family friendly event. Okay. Uh, just the fact that you're wearing a bugs bunny uh, has nothing to do with it nothing to see here don't uh, be alarmed James I think this is the worst we I, I have worse one. I have some bad ones but this is the worst one this is the most appalling despicable it's only 14 seconds this is a child this is a child performing. <laughs> We now live in a society that systematically abuses children. It uses them. It sexualizes them. It uses them as sexual objects. It thinks nothing of it. And if you don't get on board, you'll be canceled because you are small-minded.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the worst of the worst that anybody could uh, wish for any child. You know, and, of course, the you know, the warning of our Lord is just called uh, call to mind here. You know, there there's no other <laughs> evil uh, pertaining to human beings, that is worse than than uh, killing. Sorry, killing the innocence of a of a child. You know, um, and people are advocating for this publicly. There's not a shame uh, associated with this anymore. It's more of a why aren't you doing this to liberate? Can you imagine the use of that word? Why aren't you yeah. doing this to liberate your your child? How how dare you keep your child? from being liberated, from fully realizing and actualizing what should be. you know uh, and this is very twisted. Of course our Lord did not make us so that we would become uh, tools of the world or let our children become tools of the world. but yeah, you have parents who are allowing their children to display themselves like that and to bas- basically to uh, pave the road into making uh, you know decisions that would affect them for a lifetime and beyond. So this is uh.
4: remember remember when we all laughed when people were going to be like, hey, I, I identify as a dolphin or, you know, like I, I'm, I'm trans uh, species. We all thought, oh, yeah, yeah, that that day will never come, will it?
8: Hi, my name is Cameron and I'm a member of our D.I.D. system. So Avery and I are both birds. I am a cardinal and Avery is a blue jay. We like AM air pronouns in particular because they feel even further removed from gender than they, them, theirs. And being birds, while we do have um, our own gender expression, we don't inherently have a gender at all. And not in the way that, like, we're just non-binary. It's that, like, our species as, like, an avian-human hybrid does not inherently have any kind of gender at all so you use them just like singular pronouns like he him or she her uh spelling and pronunciation wise it's like they them theirs without the th at the beginning so the best way i think to practice is to write out um a couple of short sentences using like he him his and himself and then go back through and erase all of those pronouns and fill them in with AM, air, air self.
4: That's what I'll be doing over my long weekend, my 4th of July weekend, Brother Martin, is I will be practicing the bird pronouns uh, from this absolutely psychotic woman. <laughs> Can you imagine that she has access to children?
2: <laughs> no, I can't. No, I can't. Uh, but it makes it. it she actually she brings up a very interesting point how does she determine the differences between species between birds humans i mean and since the genus is animal and then we the specific di- difference for us as humans we have a, a rationality we have the we have the intellect but birds don't but so in which case how does she define as, how, how does she define herself as a bird you know does, is she saying she doesn't have an intellect does she she doesn't have a will um and, and in which case does she have moral agency you know how is she speaking birds they can't speak you know, it, it's it's it, it's it's insane um, what these people are coming to and, and really the, the rational conclusions that we should uh, be coming to because in one sense, it's not illegal to kill a bird. If a bird falls over. I mean, it is what it is, but it, it obviously is to, to kill a human. And so do, do the, the logical consequences follow and what you can commit to, uh, you know, to a bird? I mean, you can kill a bird's egg, but you, you can't kill a, a, a child, you know? Um, but one other point that I wanted to bring up about the... Uh, this the first video you showed about the you know not yet a human on the on the pregnant belly. She says that it's just like a limb. Well, human beings can't just amputate a limb just because they want to. If you have a pain in your hand, um you have to have a lit- legitimate reason to amputate your hand, morally speaking, because your hand is part of you. It's it's part of how God designed you. You can't just cut off the members of your body willy nilly just because you want to. You have to have a real reason it has to be there has to be a, a risk to your life so like i mean for, for those with diabetes for instance their, their their feet start to get weird and and sometimes you have to amputate them because it poses a greater risk to the rest of the body but if you just have a foot pain you don't get to amputate your your wrist your, or your your foot uh, because you want to just because there's just some pain there um but even even more so with 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 abortion just because it's inconvenient you don't get to ampute, amputate that limb so to speak as, as she put it Um, just because you want to or or you find it inconvenient you have to have it has to pose a real risk to your life if if it is just a limb
4: i'm only laughing because i'm pretty sure on the rundown maybe a year or so ago we came across this video of someone who identified as a as a quadriplegic like amputee Mm -hmm. identified that way and convinced some doctor to remove all all the limbs so that he or she could live out that uh that life Okay, I'm going to show you now what I'm referring to as Turbo Groomer. This is the most groomiest groomer of all time. It is hideous to look at. I'm ashamed that our four faces will be affiliated with this guy. But this, this man is making TikTok videos for children, directed at children. He's directly addressing children, and he is enticing them to trust him over their parents. He is telling children to detach from their parents and follow him. This person is not being arrested, prosecuted, or jailed. This person is being celebrated. Let a child not
6: be themselves. You are safe. You are loved. I'm not playing a character. I'm 100% for real. And I love you very much. And you are safe here with me. People can't blame their parents all the time. And my answer is, of course they can. And please be resentful. Please be angry. Okay, childhood trauma took the truth from you. It's time to stop living that way. Please tell your truth. Tell the truth. My theory is that, you know, toxic parents want you to always be off-center and, like, off-kilter and feeling unsafe. If you feel like you don't know who you are, that's okay. You get to write that story. I am so sorry that you grew up in a household that was chaotic. Well, I'll tell you what toxic slash abusive parents do. They act as a gatekeeper for their child, meaning the parent decides who's good. You were told, you were taught to abandon yourself in order to survive. We don't have to survive anymore. We can thrive. The world is evidently divided into kind people and unkind people. (laughs) Imagine being 12, and you know you're trans, so your parents don't accept you, your church doesn't accept you, your school won't protect you from harassment, they just won't won't do a thing. If you suspect there's an LGBTQ kid in your life, be so good to that person, please. It's time to spend time with people who are already convinced.
4: Okay, that's Turbo Groomer. Uh, we'll go around the room and react to that. I think that's the last groomer thing that I can stand today. But Ryan, this is uh, he literally marketing, direct marketing to children on TikTok. Um, in any sane society, there would be a violent end to this despicable behavior. <clears throat> it's
1: uh, Yeah, there's so much I want to say about that. It's It's hard to really put it in. I I think it is the logical outcome, though, which is that when you sin, you know, you decide that you're going to do something that you know was wrong by natural law, right? And then, you know, if if you persist in sin, eventually gets to the point where you just accept this is good. And then once you accept this is good, it becomes, well, why aren't other people doing it? And then the fact that other people aren't doing it becomes a judgment on you. And so anybody who's not doing what you are doing, there's something wrong with that. And that's just how it, how it progresses. And that's where we're at with this individual, where uh, parents trying to look out for the best interest of their kids, uh, that, that's gatekeeping, that's the toxic, it's you know, all these terms that they're gonna throw out there. But there's another there's another lesson in this too. If you have a good relationship with your children, if your children have learned to trust you and they see something like that, they're going to run in the opposite direction from he, whatever, um, whichever bird he happens to be. (laughs) That's what they're going to do. So um, speaking of birds, actually, I I don't know. After all this stuff, I think the birds are definitely looking for a break. (laughs)
3: He's really drinking beer.
2: wait Wait, so mike what kind of bird are you wait was that a was that a tropical
4: bird i'm a fan of tropical birds Actually, (laughs) i identify as an angry tropical bird (laughs) (laughs) brother martin Martin, what do you think of turbo groomer i mean turbo groomer ryan says is inevitable inevitable i think that's true
2: Yes, for someone who's not consistently trying to, to become virtuous, and in one sense everybody has their predominant fault. Everyone falls into sin, but there's a certain kind of people that don't fight against their their faults or their sins. I mean, those who don't have the Christian faith, like this uh, guy, supposedly obviously doesn't have. He's not going to fight against them. He's just going to go with the flow. It's just going to be a snowball effect, and so it's just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And thankfully, we have still in in, in Western civilization. Some people might disagree. But there's still a, a very minute semblance of, of Christian morals in Western society in the sense that um, anybody who, you know, has, has in their closet some sort of sexual sin um, is blackmailed for it. In one sense, that's that's good in the sense that, of course, it's a sin. Um, like Joe Biden's uh, daughter's diary or whatever. Of course, if, if that's true, Joe Biden committed a sin and, that sh- and he should have uh, that held against him. And so we have still that semblance. I don't know whether it's there because people actually consider it to be moral or because it's still something that's useful. They could use morals to blackmail people, to control people. That's what they want to do is, is control people saying, oh, if you don't do this, we'll, re- we'll re- release this information and we'll destroy you. But I, I think really social media is, is really a place. I mean, if you're letting your, your teenagers get on social media, um, it's a, it's a moral sin. I mean, there's nothing good out there. Or there's, there's There's so much evil out there and so little good out there that it's much better for you just to have your kids not be on social media, to teach them virtue at home, to, to surround them with good virtuous people, that, you know, good virtuous adults, to show them the way, send them to summer camps, pilgrimages, all that kind of stuff, to, to meet solid individuals, um, to, to be models for them rather than, than finding some some celebrity on TikTok or some influencer on t- on TikTok uh, because they don't become influencers because of their morality. They come become influencers because of how how woke they are so uh yeah the internet is a very bad place for children i I don't agree with with children being on the internet if they have to do it for homework homeschool uh you don't you don't i mean buy an encyclopedia so you don't you don't need the internet for homework um i I think even even now in my own studies the hardest thing to do is to still cite sources in the sense that you have to use mla apa all that kind of stuff Uh, but if you use only book sources i mean that becomes easy for you. you you uh you just learn how to do it because you have to, as opposed to, to using the internet. So um, definitely, as, as much as you can, keep your kids away from smartphones, the internet, uh, all that <laughs> Sorry, kind of
4: stuff. I'm just laughing because all the bird commentary while you're talking. I can't deal with it, people. <laughs> you guys are hilarious.
2: I don't pay attention. I can't because I'll, I'll lose my train of
4: thought. I know. No, you're missing a lot. You're missing a lot. Apparently, you're a dove and uh, I'm You a guys are leaving and- me out. Ryan admits to being an owl, and now that's proof that he goes to the Bohemian Grove. And James, I don't, I, I don't, somebody I don't said understand. you're some kind of bird. I don't know what kind of bird you are. And then somebody <laughs> said if we're, birds, if we're birds, we're getting eaten by cats. Aren't there birds that can take on a cat? I think a hawk can take on a, ha- a, a freaking
2: eagle, eagle. What kind of cat? A mountain a lion? Owl? A kitty cat? Like, well, we'll see. All right. <laughs>
4: I had had a great question for you, James. Sorry. These bird bird people, they're getting under my skin or under my feathers. I should say, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm I'm not wilting over here. Hey James. So yes, sir. My question for you is as thus, I think to me the most dangerous message that this guy was saying that this, this turbo groomer was saying is your parents are abusive. If they try to tell you who are good people and who are bad people? and if they try to filter who you interact with, that's the sign of abusive parents. That's the message that these groomers they have to divorce children from the authority of their parents, yeah?
0: Oh, absolutely. And the hair on my back, because there's a lot of hair back there, no, I'm kidding, but the, the hair on my back rose oh, it's
3: feathers it's feathers.
0: yeah, the feathers on my back rose when I when I heard him uh, basically describe that. What, what kind of world uh, are we living in where the idea of parents doing their very first duty toward their children is now considered abusive? Can you imagine that? This is a parent's first duty to their children is to tell them, this is good and this is bad. This is what you do and this is what you do not do. This is exactly what a parent's job is and here is this groomer telling young kids people who are listening that this is something that's indicative of how abusive a parent is you know i mean the the left of course you know the left's uh record on sexual mores is ever changing and the fact that right now they're allowing something like this on social media is frightening because th- we we have descended so so low um, in the idea of what the left con- considers uh, protected speech, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that we do not push back against this. This is basically, I mean, what's the percentage? I ask you, back back to you, what's the percentage of teachers that are actually groomers? All these videos that we watch, they're mostly teachers.
3: Yeah.
0: It's amazing. Is yep. it accidental? Probably not.
4: Yeah, probably not. All right, so uh, in conclusion, uh, public school is a mortal sin. Don't do it. And uh, this is a rundown. This is our shortest episode in a long time. Very glad that you could be with us. Blessed First Friday to you. Happy feast of the most precious blood of our Lord. Tomorrow's first Saturday. Don't miss it. But finally, some advice that we can actually use. If you see a groomer or a bird species near you, Listen to this advice from then President, Vice President, Joseph Biden.
7: I have two shotguns on my home. They're locked in a safe. There's a metal gun case. We live in an area that's
6: wooded, somewhat secluded.
7: And I said, Jill, if there's ever a problem, just walk out on the balcony and fire two blasts outside the house. Buy a shotgun. Buy a shotgun. You don't need machine gun. You don't need 30 rounds. Buy a shotgun. Buy a shotgun.
3: shotgun. No, you don't need a flamethrower. And you don't need a tank. You don't, you don't need an AR-15 scare those thugs away No, and I don't need a grenade launcher I don't need an F-15 There's just one thing I need to do And they'll stay away from me Fire two yeah. blast Outside the house Ooh. Buy a shotgun Buy a shotgun Buy a shotgun, Buy a shotgun. Buy a shotgun baby. You don't need you machine gun you, you don't need 30 yeah. rounds Buy shotguns. I shotgun. Shotgun. Fire to blast outside the house.